When we started this in 2019, this whole idea, basically with a thesis saying, you know, collaboration is not an app, collaboration is a feature. It was like an early bet. It's not like people were asking for it, but we had like good feeling like this is going to happen. People want to work more contextually, want to be more productive within the app they're using. And the product team's not going to have nor the skill set or the time to build this kind of features, at least good enough so people will love them. So everything, how we built it from our customer journeys, signing up, how you consume it as a developers, everything is like, you know, teed up for scaling. But our challenge is like to get the message out. This is Ricard Hansen, CEO and co-founder of Weeby. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing at the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do took next. many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grew. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Ricard Hansen is creating the next generation toolkit of building blocks for you, the developer. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Ricard Hansen is 48 years old to date, but started tinkering with his Commodore 64 when he was young. Later in life, he fell in love with building things and distributing them, i.e. building for others. He built his first commercial product at 15, which was a CRM built in Pascal. But outside of tech, he's a father of three and is a movie buff in his spare time. His favorite movie is a story about a free diver called Le Grand Blue, or The Big Blue. In the past, Ricard was running his company named Incentive, making tools for internal teams to collaborate. What he and the team noticed was that there was a major shift towards utilizing third-party tools to improve productivity, while developers of said tools had a hard time keeping up. He and his team decided to create the tooling to help them better compete. This is the creation story of Weavy. We claim it to be next generation building blocks for developers with the promise of being the fastest possible way to add new features to your product. Our end user, end customer is the developer and we really want to please them in every way possible form when it comes to DevOps and how you consume it and whatnot. How we came across it is, so like the features we decided to build that you add are like in the collaboration realm. Productivity like chat feeds and file document collaboration. 
And previous, like Weavy, we created a company called Incentive, which was like an all-in-one-place collaboration platform. And this is basically before Slack and everything else. But we tried to sell this to enterprises, a big all-you-can-eat platform with all the features in one place. But there was no appetite in it, to be honest. We couldn't get that growth. And then we stumbled into using our kind of features, but adding it on top of an existing product, like an ecosystem, like a CRM, like Microsoft CRM, for example. And when we did so, like through Chrome extension back then, just to play around with it, we got really good feedback. And then I realized like it was a light bulb kind of went off saying, adding value to something is a way easier sell. And it's also way more fun. In the beginning, we dabbled like, okay, what's this going to be? Is this some, again, it's going to be a Chrome extension that we sell to enterprises and they add it to like a boring SharePoint site. Or we're going to sell it to app developers. And fairly quick, we realized that we really want to sell this to app developers. Then, like, I was really happy because then I'm really selling to my own persona, in, in a sense, right? Because I really love developing and developers, and I'm a developer myself. We did a hard, hard pivot in 2019 and rebranded the whole thing to, as I mentioned, Weavy with the, the whole idea of, like, weave collaboration into the fabric of your app. Tell me about the MVP then. So that first product you build, maybe it's prior to pivoting into Weavy, maybe it's part of that, or maybe give me the Weavy MVP. I'll let you decide. But how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? So our MVP was basically taking our old product, right? The product before was a a Skoda or Volkswagen. We tried to make it a Porsche, like with the exact same components and building pieces and whatnot. And then basically just convert it from a visual point of view and experience point of view to something that you can embed into a product. So with that said, like we had all the features that we wanted to expose like or sell, but how you added it to a product were completely new. So we tinkered a lot, as I mentioned, with Chrome extensions. We tinkered a lot with, okay, let's create like a simple JavaScript that you can just grab and add to your intranet or whatever you have. And then you have all our collaboration features embedded. So basically taking a product that was completely, from an architectural point of view, wrong in every sense. But on the surface, it looked really, really great. So then we got like our first customer late 2019, and that was like Tioco. Not a well-known brand, but it's a 300 mil software company selling, you know, billing systems for the telecom industry. They were looking for something like us without knowing it, and they stumbled upon us. And that was like our first real case. And then is really when we decided, okay, we're going to go all in building this kind of technology for app developers. So our MVP was pretty mature in that sense, right? Because it was a great user experience. But for a developer, it was a terrible experience. You know, if you lift, you lift the hood, it's like, uh, I don't want to touch this. So that's how we came, kind of came about to do the MVP. And so, I mean, when we did that first version, it took maybe six months, like when we tried to create that, that experience. Like it would have obviously taken longer if like we built all those features from scratch, but we didn't have to. This is also crazy. Like I have built five companies, as I said, like we basically have the exact same dev team throughout all of my ventures. And we are Microsoft dudes. So we built, everything's built in .NET, with Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code. Back then it was like boring .NET MVC. Um, and those were the tools we were using. So we were like proper Microsoft fanboys, which back then was pretty weird, but now they're a little bit cooler. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? 
encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble, super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash code story. So you've got your MVP now. You, you've dissected the, the product, made it better for developers. How did you progress the product from there and how have you matured it? And I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how did you build your roadmap and how did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Weavey? So we have kind of two experiences, right? When you build or sell building blocks like we do, there is an end user experience, in this case, a chat or a file and document collaboration. And the feedback we got from that point of view, from the end user, was great. They loved our products, looked great. They had all the functionality they needed. But then taking a step back, you know, from that, we got a lot of feedback in terms of how you consume it, authentication, embedded technology, you know, UI kits, and so on and so forth. So our roadmap from early 2020 was basically focusing only how we can make this as a really, really good developer experience. So parallel, like we had the MVP, which was a fully functional product. We had that like as, as our proper product for almost two years, and it was still holding together. But in the background, we were revamping the whole core of the product from a technical point of view and an architectural point of view to really make it like, you know, standardized in every shape and form, like, you know, tokens, API calls, like webhooks, you name it. We already knew that the end user experience was great. So we were totally driven from a roadmap perspective from how developers would consume this in the end. Lucky us, because we're developers ourselves, like, you know, so we always looked into, okay, we buy a product or we set up a subscription for a service. How was that experience? Sure, I'm the CEO, but I'm basically a product manager and I run into the dev team every hour and then I need that feature, I need that feature. And then they go scouting and find a feature that will please my needs, but it will also please their needs. So that was our biggest challenge for, for a fairly good time in terms of 
not only roadmap wise, right, but also the focus for us was only behind the scenes. And then process wise, we started implementing the process called ShapeUp, which is, you know, created by the guy behind Basecamp or 37 Signals. And that we did a lot as well in that, you know, behind the scenes coding. And we invited some people to alphas and betas that can play around with that new technology while we were selling the other product. First product I built, at least, where the primary focus was something no one saw, but was key to make sure that it was so easy to consume, so easy to understand that you couldn't really resist start using it. So then let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team, which will be interesting because this was a convert from, an, from a different company, a different approach. Tell me about that team. What did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? The engineering team I have in place is the same team I've had for almost 15 years, 15 plus years. So I know they were winning horses and we know each other pretty well. I basically have to just draw a line on a whiteboard and they know, okay, let's do that. My challenge though, from a, from a Swedish perspective was like, I wanted to build, I built all the other companies in Sweden, but this particular time I want to build something in North America, bigger market, you know, bigger success and so on and so forth. Everything in terms of building that company over there, but also, you know, then also finding more people in terms of operations, sales and marketing and customer success. You know, as a startup, you don't have the resources. You just have to go a lot on your gut feeling. And I've been hiring people and working with people for 25 plus years. It's really, really hard to find good people. And it's fairly easy to find talented people. So what I mean with that is like talented you can find, but good people, you know, is hard to find. And talent you can fix. If you're good or not, you can't fix as a person. So I've been focusing primarily on that. So me and my CEO, Robert, has always been doing it very human-centric and, you know, sometimes hire people like with a super weird background that doesn't fit into the software industry at all, turning out to be a great hire or a totally newbie into the dev industry coming from, say, pure, like, hardcore sales. But this person being like a phenomenal tinkerer and super curious about it. And it turns out to be like a great bet. So that's like how we go about it in terms of finding team. And, and also I'm a big, big believer that engineering teams should be small. I, I mean, if you want to dig a big hole and deep, yes, 100 people will do it faster. But if you want to build a good product, 100 people will make it worse. So I really want to keep like the engineering team, even if we look like long term, the engineering team is going to be pretty nimble, small and lean. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. 
Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This will be interesting given, given what you're, you're building and having it essentially weaving into other products. I'm curious about scalability. Did you build this to scale efficiently from, from day one? Or do you have to fight this in any capacity as you grow and gain traction? From a technical perspective, built from day one to scale and has no built-in limitations to scale. So that's, that's built in from the get-go. When we started this in 2019, this whole idea, basically with a thesis saying, you know, collaboration is not an app, collaboration is a feature. It was like an early bet. It's not like people were asking for it, but we had like good feeling like this is going to happen. People want to work more contextually, want to be more productive within the app they're using. And the product team's not going to have nor the skill set or the time to build this kind of features, at least good enough so people will love them. So everything, how we built it from our customer journeys, signing up, how you consume it as a developer, so, you know, you fork it from GitHub, you set up environments, uh, you can use our product for free, you can upgrade to Pro, usage-based pricing, everything. Everything is like, you know, teed up for scaling from a customer or sales perspective. But our challenge is like to get the message out enough when people are Googling these kind of problems, like they want to add chat or feeds and files. And we see there's a huge, I would say, increase in that from our perspective. We see that on our data. And so that's our challenge, more like the market maturation, so to speak. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? You know, there's two sides to building any company or product. Like, you know, I'm really proud of the company and like the manifesto and the culture we have. We're a huge believer in that, you know, uh, any who's working within my company should always be able to be themselves, have every, every and any opinion. And then we just iron it out because you're just more productive when you can just relax. I'm pretty proud of that culture that I've been really manifesting for the last 20 plus years as well. And then this time around, like, you know, together with the dev team, I have to say I'm incredibly proud of the engineering and the tech side of things. Funny thing right now, right? Like I'm, I'm a developer, absolutely my soul, but I'm only on a hobby level. Like no one would pay me money to program right now or develop. But so I'm a good test person. Like, so whenever they release something and I can go through the documentation and follow the guides, and then I'm consuming my, within quotes, own technology by reading and how to do it and then embed it into a setting I want to do. And I can do it from A to Z. I think that is super cool. Messaging-wise, working with the marketing team in terms like, you know, we want to challenge the status quo in the industry, how you bill, like everyone is talking about MIUs, monthly active users, and looking at how people in general do that is completely wrong in our opinion. So we really want to create the uniqueness across the board in every piece. And I would say like we're really, I'm really proud of that, like that we really focus on each piece to be a unique experience. And then when you combine it all, we want it to be like a really good experience from beginning to end for, in this case, like a developer. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. 
Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. So this is also my mantra. Like I rather have happy to be wrong, but I want to be proven that I'm wrong. And I'm also a fast decision maker. Like, you know, oh, let's do this and let's see how it works out. A lot of early mistakes when it comes to in this particular journey is all about pricing. I went straight in and like all in on perpetual licensing, which you did like in the 80s. But for me as a buyer of a product like or a technology like ours, I want to have perpetual licensing. I don't want to pay more when we grow. I want to own the technology, so to speak. So I thought that was great and everyone's going to understand it. And then we came out and said that and everyone's like, oh, I want to subscribe. I want a monthly payments. Okay, so then we have to adapt and then new business model, new business model. So I think the business models I've created, there's a lot of mistakes in them, and literally I've created them, and I should have changed them faster from the different different versions I had. I would say, like, in this particular journey, like, that's the biggest mistake. Ricard, this will be fun. So what does the future look like for the product and for your team at Weavey? Team-wise, I'm no big fan or have any desire to build a big company. I want to build, again, a nimble company. doesn't mean it has to be like, you know, five people. I'm talking like a couple of hundred or a hundred. That's one thing. And it's going to be very engineering-driven on all levels. Like, you know, I'm thinking like engineers on the marketing side too. Like when you create tutorials and guides and whatnot, that should also be engineers. But with a more maybe of an extrovert, you know, side and more keen on sharing and teaching people or learning people how to use our technology. From the product perspective, we're totally set on like Weavy should be a verb within any product team in four four or five years. If you're on a YC batch or if you're in a company like IBM or whatever, and you are looking at like, we need to add these kind of features, let's weave it in. Or like when you start a new product, you always take your components, right? You say, oh, okay, we're going to use React, we're going to use this and that. Weavey should be a natural part of that because it adds that kind of features. I, I love the name. The, every time you, you say the name about weaving it in and Weavey, it just it clicks for me. It's a great way to remember the product and remember the things that you're adding there. Let's switch to you, though. So who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something that you look up to and why. Deeply influenced by my dad. He was an entrepreneur when I grew up. I didn't understand it back then. But he was like in like kind of an inventor, an engineer. We're talking about machines, right? Not coding. And he created his own company and his own success in that sense. He never kind of talked about it. It was just natural. That inspired me a lot. Other people that inspired me throughout my journey has been my co-founder, Alex. In this particular case, we've been working together for... 25 years or something we're basically family nowadays and i always call him the old guy because he is like i'm 48 as i said but he's like 70 and he's like a cpa but the most human cpa you can think of but like when you've heard it here then you know the word cpa or like that's boring and square he is everything but that and super creative and like we are like sharing for each other on from the sidelines all the time like for different you know for different reasons and he's really been like my go to to solve i would say any problem from a business perspective or just being a positive you know voice in my ear he built companies as well so like it's not tech oriented at all i really look up to him how he built his success and i'm not a guy who's like easy to impress in terms of cool names like i really want to be like bill gates or steve jobs never bother five seconds for that i really really get inspired by people that are close to me 
super successful in their field and they are totally no names for other people. So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Could have been something that worked, even worked really well, but you might tweak it a little bit. From my perspective, right, would turn the tables and have that developer focus earlier. Because I was really into the end user experience for a long, long time and just focusing on, you know, best user experience and so on and so forth. So every time when we had basically roadmap meetings and talking about like next step within the engineering team, dev team and me, the priority list was always first. We need to have more features in the front end, more features, more features. The, the tables turns on my initiative in a sense, but all of a sudden, you know, the last item on the CTO's list was my first item all of a sudden, but he put it last, but he, he expected me to put it last. And then like everything just shifted in terms of focus. For me, that was like a big thing. And I regret that we didn't do that earlier. I should have listened to my CTO Linus, which knows everything about everything more and have to say my sorries to him. Ricard, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? It's going to be a bumpy ride. I mean, every other morning when I wake up, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and this is too much and this is so much work and it's like just an uphill battle. And then every other morning you wake up, it's like you just woke up, wake up in euphoria and like this is so cool and so fun and we're talking with these clients and this technology being used. It's one thing to invent a product or create a product. It's one thing to actually then follow through and build a company around it because it, it is really a roller coaster sometimes in a bad way and sometimes in a good way. So I would say the advice is to, you know, just get ready for it. And to be honest, sometimes maybe you're the creator of a product or something, maybe you're not equipped to run it in, in a sense. It might be good to find a co-founder or a co-pilot that is more on that you know, side of the spectrum to be risky or risk-willing and be just crazy in that sense. So I think that would be the advice. And then just don't listen to others. You know, believe in yourself and... You know, if you have an idea, just follow through. But I think the mantra there, as I said before, be ready to be wrong, accept that you're wrong and move on, right? But you have to bet. You have to go for it. And then, like, if it turns out to be wrong, be happy about it because then you know. I think that's great advice. Well, Ricard, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Weavy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.